Well, today's story from the Jesus Storybook Bible challenges us to get ready. And as we begin the season of Advent, this season of waiting to celebrate Christmas and the coming of Jesus, the first coming of the King of Kings, we also let our hearts sort of dwell in anticipation for the day when Jesus will come again. We know that he's always with us, but we long for the time when he will come to be with us again uh, physically. And maybe this year we feel it a little bit more. I know I feel it more. In a year filled with difficulty and stress and all kinds of pressure and loneliness and isolation, as we find the idolatry of our culture and ourselves exposed and bearing the fruit of division and hate and oppression and violence, we are exhausted. And we're entering this season just kind of crying out for mercy. Do you remember the game Mercy that you played when you were a kid? Like two people would grab hands and they would try to uh, bend each other's fingers fingers backwards uh, and whoever hollered Mercy first would would lose the game. You remember how that went? Listen to this. Daryl Brock, I'm sorry, Daryl Bach uh, writes this. He says, God's mercy is not of mere words. It, is, it expresses itself in concrete action. God's mercy is not of mere words. It expresses itself in concrete action. And just think back on that game of mercy. Like what if the person who was winning uh, just said, okay, I have mercy on you, but they never stopped applying the pressure. The game would have to be called something else, right? Because to, to cry out for mercy and only be offered mere words wouldn't be mercy at all. And so truly, we see that mercy is not mere words. Mercy is always expressed in some concrete action. So if you, like me, uh, are entering the season kind of longing for more than just religious cliches and words, but, but want to be comforted, longing for the mercy that is concrete and thirst-quenching, I believe there's good news for us this morning and and throughout this season as we encounter the mercy of God in Jesus Christ, our King. Uh, Reggie closed our time in Malachi uh, last Sunday with a reading from the New Testament, uh, a look at Zechariah's praise and prophecy in Luke chapter 1, uh, 68 through 79. And I think it serves us well as we transition from a long period in the minor prophets to this season of Advent. And as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. So let's read Zechariah's praise and prophecy together. It's in Luke chapter 1 verses 68 through 79. It says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
Now, if you don't know who Zechariah is, I'll go ahead and tell you, he's the father of John the Baptist. And to really get to the heart behind uh, Zechariah's song and praise and prophecy here, we have to go back to the beginning of the first part of Luke chapter 1 and verses 5 through 25. And there we would find out that Zechariah is a priest. And that he was serving, and while he was serving as a priest at the temple, he was chosen by Lot to enter into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, with like an overabundance of priests uh, that served the temple, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 18,000 priests, lots were drawn for the task of entering the temple to burn incense. And so this is kind of like a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah. Actually, once your name was drawn out of the hat to to go in and burn incense, it was taken out for good. That way others would have uh, more of a chance to do it. And so Zechariah comes to his time to go into the temple. He goes in to burn the incense while a crowd is gathered outside of the temple praying. And while he's in there, an angel appears to him. It's the angel, Gabriel, who com- who comforts Zechariah, who's like undoubtedly startled in the moment. And then he immediately announces that his prayers have been answered, have been heard, and he and his wife will have a son and that they are to name him John. And then he says... And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. I mean, just kind of as an aside, don't you love that God sends messengers with that kind of news for us? You will have joy and gladness. The angel also says that the child will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to look in Luke chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. He says, Gabriel says, and he will turn Many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That's a fulfillment of prophecy from the Old Testament. Most directly, it's a fulfillment of prophecy from Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, which we just ended in last week. And it says this, It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, we don't know what Zechariah actually understood in that moment, but but all of this uh, that that Gabriel is announcing is huge news. God is on the move. And the promises he has made through all the Old Testament to show mercy to his people and to act on the world's behalf through them are coming to fruition. They're coming true. If what Gabriel is getting at is true, then God's mercy is not mere words. It's expressed in concrete action. And he's proving that to be true because he is coming. And honestly, I don't think that Zechariah totally gets it. I mean, who could really blame him? I mean, it's got to be a pretty overwhelming thing to take in when you're in the temple confronted by an angel. You don't really know what's going on, but instead of rejoicing at the news, Zechariah questions the angel. He says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. How shall I know? I'm old, my wife's old, she's barren. But listen how Gabriel responds to that question in verse 20. He says, and behold... 
you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And in this is how we find Zechariah when we go later on in the chapter and we pick back up on the storyline in today's passage in Luke uh, chapter 157 through 80. He's still mute. He's still silent. I mean, we're talking about like nine months later, at least nine months, probably a little longer. He, he left from there. He went home. His wife conceived. And when we pick, up, pick back up on the story, the child's already been born. We're at the circumcision and at the naming of this promised child, John. And that's in Luke one fifty nine through 64. It says this, And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, And they would have called him Zachariah after his father, but his mother answered, no, he should be called John. And then they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And I think Zachariah's act of obedience in naming his son John and his first actions when his tongue is loosed, they they tell us a lot. It's like he had some real time uh, to think about the conversation that he had with Gabriel and and all that it must mean. He had some time to to get still and to contemplate in all those months the character of God. I mean, can you imagine spending that much time mute and possibly even deaf. Uh, It does say that they made signs to the father inquiring what he wanted them to be called in verse 64. So he may have lost his hearing and not only his speech. But can you imagine like walking out of the temple with this huge news that you and your wife who is barren will be having a son and then with even bigger news that God is up to something really big and is going to use your son to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord. Can you imagine knowing all of that and not being able to communicate it, not being able to express it? Can you imagine like not being able to talk with your wife or your spouse in such a season about how God has provided and how happy you are, not being able to even say or speak your son's name? This is a long and difficult season of isolation and loneliness and stress and pressure and difficulty. But somehow, Zechariah must have just got settled in, must have become still. And over the months, he must have put some of the pieces together from what Gabriel had already told him. He must have remembered the goodness of God and the promises of God. He must have recognized that, that God was at work for the joy of the world and that the mercy his people longed for was coming. God's plan surely wasn't like crystal clear to Zechariah, but it was clear that God was doing God things and that he could be trusted even though it caused Zechariah discomfort in the moment. Zechariah's praise and his prophecy would suggest that this is true as he alludes to a whole lot of scripture. Like I said, he alludes to Malachi chapter 4 verses 5 through 6, which Gabriel referenced when he says that John will prepare the way of the Lord. But then also look at this in Isaiah 9. 1 through 2. It says this there. But there will be no gloom for who, for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. 
But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And then look at this scripture from Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. If you don't see it, Zechariah in his prophecy says that his son is preparing the way for the sunrise. That will bring light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. It's a fulfillment of these prophecies in Isaiah. And like I said, Zechariah must have just settled in and reflected on what Gabriel told him and what it must all mean in light of the Scripture. If what the angel said was true, then God was about to deliver on some big-time promises that he made a long, long time ago and that everybody had been anxiously waiting for for many, many years. He must be about to prove that his mercy is more than mere words. His mercy is expressed in concrete action. And the fact that God was already delivering on these promises immediately, they, had, they were with child, he couldn't speak as he was told. These things are sign enough that everything that Gabriel said was going to come true is going to come true. And so here in this joyful moment of obedience, as he names his son John, suddenly Zachariah's like ears pop. And Zachariah, Zachariah had asked Gabriel, like, how could this be? And, and Gabriel had answered him back that you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. And now Zechariah, his tongue is loosed, and he can speak. And Luke 1, 64 says, and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And it's like, This small mercy of restored speech opens the floodgates for Zechariah in his song of all the good news that he had been unable to express. Not just that he now has a son, right? But of all the mercies that God was bringing about. It just comes pouring out of him. And it's all about God's promises of mercy that are being fulfilled. Listen to these highlights from the song of praise. He says, he has visited and redeemed his people He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. He said he would fulfill his promises of mercy. And he's showing the mercy promised to our fathers. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You'll go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. And listen to this, because of the tender mercy of our God. Have you ever learned a song in order to, to, to learn or to, to remember some piece of information, like maybe the ABCs or Conjunction Junction or the Books of the Bible song, right? The idea of these songs is that you can always go back to them to remember something that you need to know. To this day, if I'm putting something in alphabetical order, I'm singing the ABCs in my head. And I hope that Zachariah's song here in Luke works that way for us today. That it helps us remember what we really need to remember. The good news of Jesus and his great mercy. I want us to remember what Zechariah 
definitely gets and expresses when he erupts into praise. That there is more to God's mercy than mere words. His mercy is always expressed in concrete action. And ultimately, we know that, that God delivered on his promises of mercy in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And he didn't just come as a baby and then take a throne. He became the sacrifice that we needed on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. And he rose again so that we could be set free from sin and death and that we could be restored into right relationship with our God. We have received mercy that is unspeakable, that is unfathomable in and through Jesus Christ. And that is what Zachariah's song is celebrating. Jesus had not even been born yet, but it was as good as done. The king is coming, and Zechariah praises God and prophesies. So as we read this song then today, may we make it our own and remember the truth that we have mercy unspeakable, unfathomable through Jesus Christ. Like God's promised messenger has come, and although times are hard, we have hope. His news is like unbearably good and and for our joy and for our gladness. We have much to remember. We have much to anticipate. Jesus has come for us. He is always with us and he's coming again. We are his. We are one in Christ. His mercy is ours and it is for the weary world where we live. So in our own like long season of discomfort and stress and loneliness and difficulty and divisiveness. May the good news silence us and prepare our hearts in this month. And in the still and in the quiet, may the light of Jesus expose like the shadowy places in us, revealing our need to be freed from our own disobedient and disbelieving hearts. And may the light of Jesus also reveal the true character of God who abounds in love and mercy. And may these nine long months of this pandemic life culminate here in Advent with our realization of our deep need for Jesus and with our realization that his mercy is ours. His mercy is more than words. His mercy is concrete in action. He has come and he is coming. May we respond this season in a worship that begins with obedience like Zacharias, faithful while afflicted. And may it spill over into songs of hope that are filled with praise and contagious joy and peace and love. I'm going to pray for us and the band is actually going to come up and they're going to lead us in worship. And I just want you to take a few moments to be still and to remember the mercy of God in your life and in this world. I know you may not be able to be still wherever you are at this moment, but take some time to remember the mercy of God in your life and in this world. And let that birth hope in your weary heart, knowing that his mercies are new each morning. And find rest in this season. Find peace in Jesus this season, knowing that the King has come, that the King is always with us, and the King is coming. Would you pray with me? Our Father, I thank you again for this time. I I pray, Lord, that, that you would give our hearts rest and peace from the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that 
as we find hope in you, as we realize your great mercy for us, that you would fill us with joy. Even while we are afflicted, a joy that leads us to obedience and that leads us to make the real Jesus known wherever we work, live, play, in our homes, in our families, in our church, in our city. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.